Welcome to the Automators. I'm David Sparks, and Rosemary Orchard isn't here with me today, but I have somebody else for you. Welcome to the show, Brett Terpstra. Hello, David Sparks. Hey, Brett. I want to thank Brett so much. Uh, Rose uh, uh, was unavailable at the last minute. Um, she uh, she got a little sick. Um, so Brett said, hey, I'll help you out and come in, and I really appreciate it. So thanks for doing that. Not only did Brett uh, agree to come on the show with just a short notice, uh, I missed the start time because I put the wrong time, like <laughs> clock, you know, so so much for automator here, right? Uh, but the uh, anyway, it's great to have you back, Brett. You were the first person that came to mind when I thought about talking automation. Uh, you're, in my mind, one of the alpha automators of the internet. Oh, alpha. Yeah. All right. I How's like that? it. And it just came to me as I said it, and I thought, wow, that's pretty clever. <laughs> Sometimes I'm good at this. Um, uh, for folks who don't know, Brett um, is a... Uh, well, Brett, I don't know where, where are you working these days. I know because, like, when I first I, um, met you, you were doing all the back end stuff for one of those big blogging companies, and I'm not sure what your yeah. day job is at this point. The, these days, I am a principal software developer at Oracle. Yeah, just just a little company called Oracle. Yeah, yeah, little 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 backwater company called Oracle. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Brett um, has a design past. Uh, he, but he's also a very smart programmer and super interested in automation. Brett and I actually wrote two books together, the 60 Max Tips books, which are pretty out of date at this point, honestly. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, but that was a lot of fun. That, that came up with, I think we were speaking together in the old days of Macworld or something. We're like, you know, yep. let's just put all these things down somewhere. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, we've known each other a long time, and I always like talking to you, Brett. Didn't we do, wasn't it you, me, and Merlin Mann for one Mac Macworld panel? You know, I that think seems, so. That seems right. I think so, <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I think now that you mention it, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and we were it's all, all just, It's all a blur. It was like a shotgun of Mac tips. We all just kept going, yeah. and it was really fun, <laughs> and the audience had a great time, and, and we shared a lot of tips. But the, uh, but you, uh, you also, in addition to, you know, being a whiz kid for Oracle, uh, you've also developed several of your own apps, and we, we just got a lot to talk about today, Brett. But um, I thought we'd just start by um, by uh, talking about, you know, the stuff on the table right now. Since the last time we've talked, Shortcuts for Mac has arrived. It's actually uh, had a rough first year, I think. I don't know if you'd agree or not, but... I would agree. Yeah. But, you know, and I think that's all kind of the Swift UI stuff. But it seems like it's it's getting its legs now, and I'm finding I'm, I'm increasingly using it. Is that even something that you play with, or are you just like writing apps to do your automation for you at this point? <laughs> oh, I've definitely, once I discovered that you could import automator workflows into shortcuts, uh, and it would do a pretty good job of converting automator workflows to a shortcut, it made me more interested, because I've been using automator forever. Yeah. And I, I write a lot of my system services and and writing tools I, I do in Automator. And I didn't at first realize that shortcuts could take text input and give you text output yeah. and do that kind of text filtering that is that's what I used Automator for. Yeah. So I've been slowly trying to because I mean Apple didn't kill Automator, but it's very clear they're not putting any more effort into automator yeah i mean it kind of stopped when sal left i mean it feels to me like it never yeah. evolved yeah honestly that. for sure and 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 applications aren't producing automator actions anymore they're producing shortcut actions um so like it's kind of 
I I have to get with the times and and make the switch to shortcuts. So I have been playing with it, um, been building my own tools to extend it a little bit. Uh, I actually want to add some. Uh, I, I got to learn how to build an action so that bunch. Uh, can be implemented via shortcuts more easily. Yeah, I do feel like that is an angle because when you look at the big automation tools, you know, the consumer level automation tools on the Mac, which I would consider to be shortcuts at this point, Keyboard Maestro, Hazel, um, you know, and the like, all of them are now building integrations. So like I just the other day, I was writing a, um, a Keyboard Maestro shortcut and I thought, well, I want to start a timer at the end of this. And rather than try and do that with a keyboard maestro script, which I could do, but it's a little, you know, wobbly. Um, I mm-hmm. just I just pulled the shortcut action to start a timer because you know timery supports that, and yeah. just drop that into my keyboard maestro script. And you can go both directions. Like uh, I always um, argue that keyboard maestro is terrible at contact management. It's just something that you know he's <laughs> he's never got around to, you know. And I don't think it's that easy with privacy and all that. But like you can drop contact management stuff or you can run a contact management script in key in uh, shortcuts and then call a keyboard master script at the end so yeah everything it's like we're getting a super set of tools now and i really feel like yeah. bunch should be part of that community because <laughs> well we and love bunch. so i did since since we last saw i think it was actually rosemary's idea but i added a shortcuts command to bunch yeah uh so, so you can just in parentheses write uh, SC, or you can write out the word shortcut, give it the name of a shortcut in your library, yeah. and then you can pass it text, and you can get the return value and, and assign it to a variable in Bunch. Uh, so Bunch can run shortcuts uh, and and pass and return information from shortcuts. It just can't be run from shortcuts unless you use the URL handler, which is still entirely feasible. And that's the beauty of all of the all of the Mac automation apps is you you have either Apple Script or URL handler support for everything, and every one of them can call automations in another one. Yeah, and Shortcuts provides a command line tool, so you can integrate that in, in anywhere that is in, uh, like automatically available. Uh, the The ecosystem is far better for having that kind of cross yeah. talk. So- is this possible? The, I feel like it's the best we've ever had it on the Mac in terms of automation. Um, oh, it's it's insanely good. I mean, it, now granted, Apple Script has always been super powerful, you know, but it's yeah. also a bit cryptic. And um, even you know, I mean, well, you know, to me at least, I always have to go explore every time I start playing. Well, that's with the thing. That's the problem with Apple Script is that every app was required to define their own dictionary. Yeah. And there was no real standard set that this is how you're going to refer to an element in your app. Yeah. So every app has a different language, like even a different syntax uh, for creating a new item or or adding an item. And there's very little that is uh, portable from one app to another. So really, anytime you're sitting down to write an Apple script, you're you're opening up the dictionary. You're probably googling. Yeah. Uh, examples and yeah, it's, it's, 
it's powerful, but not an ideal uh, programming language. And it's not gone. It's still there, you know, and like all yeah. that work. And I think it, I think it will continue to be. Yeah. Well, I think uh, my theory is it would be so much effort to remove it. It's so baked into the operating system at this point that Apple would never pay to remove it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think if they could throw a switch and turn it off, they might be tempted to do that. But, you know, I say that, I don't think they'd even do that. I, I hear uh, from birdies that, you know, a bunch of the background stuff at Apple is run on Apple script. And uh, yeah. who wants to have to rebuild all that stuff when you've right. got it working? So I, I think they're just yeah, going to quietly leave it there. It would cause some serious waves if they were to discontinue that. Yeah. But the uh, but overall, I mean, for people who want to start automating, this is like the best time on the Mac. With you know, you learn a couple different tool sets, and I people do write me and say, "Well, should you should I learn Automator or Keyboard Master?" I'm like, just learn them both. I mean, they yeah they do different things. Some are better at one thing than the other, and once you get a feel for that, you can combine them. So it it's all a piece of a whole, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned, we talked a little bit about Bunch, but we didn't say what it is. It, it's Bunch's Brett's app that is kind of, boy, how, how do you describe it? It's a window manager. It's kind of like a setup no. tool. It, it's it, it's everything but a window manager, okay. actually. All right. Um, it's it's plain text automation. It's like AppleScript, but with way simpler syntax. And it can't do everything AppleScript can do um, with its default syntax, but... Uh, the idea is that it builds context where you have like your work context and you want this browser open and this task manager open and you want your your uh, certain URLs loaded up and you want uh, do not disturb turn on or off or whatever. And you just write all of that out in a text file. Um, just like if you want to launch an app, you just put the name of the app on a line by itself and it will launch it. Uh, and, and then when you close the bunch, it will quit that app unless you tell it to ignore it. Uh, there's a bunch of special syntax for like focus this app or hide this app, uh, quit this app and, uh, like ignore this app when other apps open. It, it's, it's a bit, I tried to keep the syntax as simple as possible. So really it feels just like writing out a very basic script. Um, and I like it because, uh, like I originally built it because uh, I wanted to launch a bunch of apps at once. And I wanted like one click to to launch five different apps. And you can do that pretty easily with Apple Script, but the syntax was annoying. Yeah, And I wanted to just be able to write down the name of five apps in a text file and have it launch that. And that turned into... Uh, a much more complex application in the end. But that was kind of the the idea was just to have a, a, a one file that defined a quote-unquote bunch of apps to launch all at the same time. I call them setups, you know, but I think your context is, is exactly right. But I think when you can sit at your computer and say, now I'm going to process email, you know, and when yeah. you do that, you get your mail app, your calendar, maybe your task manager, whatever, all the apps you need to process your email showing up on your screen and everything else going away. It allows your brain to kick into email mode. And yep. then when you say, okay, I'm done with email, I'm going to do some research. And it opens up your word processor and your research app and hides your mail so you don't get distracted. I think that is 
there's gold in those hills, you know? And yeah, that's exactly what it's for. Yes. And, and you're right. This app is super easy. You just type it in. I, you know, as a automator and a nerd, I love the, the idea of just doing it with a text file. And I kind of did misspoke, misspoke, misspeak earlier when I said window manager, but I combine it with Moom where I just, cause you can run keyboard shortcuts with this too. And then, so I can put a Moom. So I've got all my keyboard uh, custom window sizes the keyboard shortcuts and I can run a bunch and it will open the apps and it will, um, it will, uh, then run the moon keyboard shortcut to put them on the screen. Yeah. Like, so moon moon allows you to save snapshots. So you get all your windows that you want open, open, and you put them exactly where you want them. And then you save a moon snapshot yeah. of the windows. And then you can run that with one line of Apple script that you just tag into a bunch uh, so after it's launched all of the appropriate apps, you just call that Apple script and Moom does all of the window positioning. And that's how I do pretty much all of my bunches and with a Moom call. Are you in touch with the Moom guys? Is uh, Have you talked to them about this or is this just? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't talked to I haven't talked. Is it many tricks? I haven't talked to them since uh, since, since before I developed bunch. So, yeah, no. Yeah, it, it really is a way to go. In fact, I'm not doing it the way you're doing it. Now I'm then listening to you. I'm like, yes, I got to switch over to the Apple script call because uh, by individually setting windows, sometimes things can go a little haywire. But yeah, this, yeah. this well, is... Because it all depends. Because it, it, every app shows its windows at a different speed. Yes. So if you try to automate like a keyboard shortcut that's going to move a window to the right half of your screen... It's entirely dependent on whether that window is showing yet at the time that script runs. Yeah. So the snapshots, I put the snapshots because you can delay anything in bunch by putting uh tilde and a number at the end of it. So like tilde five at the end would wait five seconds before it triggers it. Yeah. Um, so I just I I I add a bunch call at the end with like a five second delay to wait for everything. Uh uh an Apple script call to Moom with a five second delay. Yeah. So just, and I use these for like when I want to record podcast ads, I have one that just gives me those tools, you know, or yeah, uh, recording a show is different. And um, the thing I, I really like about Bunch is just the simplicity of it. Like historically, I built these in Keyboard Maestro, which you could do, right? Um, uh, but uh, I find uh, this a little more stable to do it this way because it's, you know, it's just so well, simple. And it's easy. It's easier to edit and update. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate a good graphical interface yeah. uh, for my automation, but there are some things that are just easier to manage, especially when you have a bunch of different setups or contexts. Yeah. Uh, to just have it in a text file, you can just pop open and just by editing a couple lines, change what it does instead of having to navigate through a bunch of menus. So what are some of the in- most interesting uses for Bunch that you've heard now that you've put it out into the world? Matt, you you know uh, uh, Jay Miller, yeah, right? Yeah, Jay's been a guest. Yeah, he's he's really into Bunch. Yeah. yeah. Jay, Jay has done more with Bunch than even I have. Um, he, he would be the guy to ask, what's the craziest thing you do? Because honestly, like I've added a lot of power to Bunch. Uh, but most of what I do is still kind of in line with my original goals. And I just, I, I launch, you know, sets of apps and do, and then arrange windows and turn on do not disturb or quit Dropbox and things like that. Um, like I added a whole bunch of, uh, uh, logic to it 
you can actually have it test like run this script and then if you get this result do this otherwise do this and then pop up this menu with like multiple choice selection based on the output of this script and like it can get very intense yeah but but i personally i don't i don't do a lot with that um i add it based on user requests and i put out a call a while ago i'm like show me your bunches yeah um you know jump on the forum tell me the craziest thing you do with bunch and there have been a few cool ones that have come in, but most people, I think their bunches are so personal. Like they're yeah. so, they're so exactly what this person needs that they don't tend to consider it worthy of sharing. Yeah. Like I had considered using your logic um, when you announced it, like thinking, well, I could decide is this Mac power users, automators are focused, and then I could have it set up differently depending yeah. on that. But then I had already made an individual bunch for each one. So <laughs> right. it's like, I just didn't feel like it felt like it was just adding, you know? Yeah. Like my podcasting bunch when I, when I, I, cause I used to have two podcasts. I used to do systematic and overtired and I, each one had a different kind of workflow. And for example, like overtired, our show notes were all done in quip. Whereas with um, systematic, I would use like Google docs. And so there would be a difference in, and the, in my, my bunch populates my show notes, like a, a, a basic markdown yeah. set up for show notes. And that would be different between the podcasts. So when I launched the podcasting bunch, it asks me which podcasts I'm recording, uh, and then ask me for an episode number. And then it takes it from there. And depending on which podcasts I choose, it builds out like the initial show notes, sets up the document, yeah. gets me ready to go. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, Google Docs is ever going to get replaced? <laughs> it seems like no. It's just no. so entrenched at this point. I mean, because yeah, other companies are getting good at cloud sync text, and you know, Google's bag of tricks is not exclusive anymore. But they're do just. Do you want to know a secret? What? Um. So GitHub is owned by Microsoft. Yeah. But internally, for all of their um, shared document needs, they use Google Docs. <laughs> Boy, that's like a surrender right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not yeah. a huge fan of Google either. I mean, I'm not like weird about it, but you know, I prefer just to kind of keep my own stuff. But we do show Have notes. you used Quip? Have you used yeah. Quip? Yeah, I have. We we used it in the past. And, uh, I really like Quip. It's so much simpler. Like, it doesn't have all the change tracking and stuff yeah. and and commenting that you would want that are kind of like standard for why you would use Google Docs. But if you just need shared documents and spreadsheets, Quip is great. Yeah, we were using it for this show for a while, but the problem became when we'd invite someone on the show and they'd never heard of Quip and it's like, you know, it just, it just became a friction point. So we just went to Google Docs because everybody's got access to Google Docs, you know? Yeah, but, but, uh, you can log into Quip with any Gmail account. Yeah. So it's, it's one extra step for yeah. people. But then some people I've never, get I've weird. never had a trouble. I've yeah. never had trouble getting a guest into Quip. Yeah. The thing I've been doing lately on the automation levels, I'm, because we're going to do a show in the future on make, you know, it used to be Integromat. And I've been working on Google Doc automation via Make and uh, mm -hmm. trying different, you know, templates and samples. Uh, when, we, when we get to that show, we want to be able to talk about it more. 
And that's an that's an angle of this I really have not explored much in the past. But you can actually do a lot with some of these online document services and the online automation tools. Are are you into any of that? Like, you know, um Integromat slash make or, you know, Zapier, any of that stuff? Um, I, I use Zapier and IFTTT, but not extensively. IFTTT has really good support for day one, which is where I do all my journaling. So I, mm, I set yeah. up a bunch with them years ago, and it's like every Max Barkey blog post gets added to my journal, and like uh, tweets that I heart, which aren't very many anymore. Um, yeah, well, I have it like it, any 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 photo I post to Instagram gets saved with like a markdown note into a Dropbox file for me. Yeah, which I always forget is running until I discover the folder full like, <laughs> that. Yeah. Oh, 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 that it and it's it's a nice little archive. I appreciate it. it's from back when I used to do Slogger. Do you remember Slogger? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's dead at this point, but it was uh it was an a script that would run once a day and gather all of your social media posts across Facebook and Twitter and uh, uh, Flickr and Instagram and uh, would basically and originally it was built to work with day one and it would build like a day one calendar of all of your social media output. Yeah. And I still think there's a place for that. And there's been some apps that have come out that, uh, especially on iOS, that kind of fit that niche. Um, Slogger was cool because you could write a plugin for just about anything. People were writing plugins for run trackers and uh, everything. But um, it kind of, the code got unwieldy and APIs kept changing and things kept breaking and I kind of let it go. But um it was it was fun and and I still have like from the year like twenty maybe thirteen twenty fourteen I think um, I have a great day one like view of all of my social media. Yeah, I still use day one a lot. I really find that in fact the days when I'm not journaling are the days where things are a little out of whack for me. And um, just out of uh, curiosity, a few months ago I click the button in the day one app to print my journals. You yeah. Know? And I didn't print them all. Cause I like have stuff in there where I record workouts and stuff. I didn't want to put all that. Sure. In, but I, I printed out like my main journals and but I thought, well, I'll put the blog posts in there too. Just kind of like when I'm old and drooling on myself, I can see what I was yeah. writing at the time I was thinking about other stuff. And, and it was, it was four volumes. It was literally four <laughs> volumes of stuff. And, like you can really collect a lot in that with automation, yeah. If you want, and and my, I, I um, I've gone back and forth. You know, my other show focused, Mike um, Schmitz, and I keep talking because he's he got really into like um, journaling by hand with a pen and paper. And I just the more I think about it, the more I'm just in the bag for day one. And at this point, I have like a decade of data in it, so it's there's no way if they ever go out of business, I'm in trouble. But <laughs> but they got acquired by automatic, so you know the word. Oh, they did. Yeah, WordPress I didn't guy. realize that. Yeah, the, the way I understand it is that the I forget the guy's name. The, the guy who runs automatic and slash WordPress is like one Matt of the Mullenweg. Yeah, he's like feels like one of the quality rich people on the internet. You know what I mean? A lot of these guys that run these companies are a little like uh, you know I'm not sure about that guy. Sketchy. Yeah, yeah. This guy seems like he's really solid, and I guess his dad was dying, and he he did all the journaling. Um, in day one and like the app so much you bought it 
<laughs> but, you know, having a big company behind it, I think, means we're good. And and, and Automatic is one of the few privacy-focused companies. So I'm sure the end-to-end uh, -end encryption is going to remain in place and we're all good. Yeah. I, uh, I met the developers of day one. Uh, I think at the time it was just the one guy and I've forgotten his name. Yeah, me too. I, I met um, him on a, like a dance floor in, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I met him, I met him the year, like day one, I, I, I saw the potential in it and I believe that was the year that they won an Apple design award. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. And from that point on, like day one became kind of like everyone knew day one. It, yeah. It, they built a really good app and and it deserves the success it's gotten yeah yeah i agree well oh my god you know you, you, sorry yeah. i i'm my brain just jumped you know what the app on mac that i just constantly admire is these days what clean shot x yes agreed You've used it? Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like a virus. Everybody's using it. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's good. It's so powerful, yeah. but so elegant. Yeah. Like, it does everything so elegantly. I, I'm constantly, like, it's just a delight to use it. It makes me smile every time I do something with it. I love it so much. I had to be talked into it because I'm really good at the native screenshot tool. And I, like, sure. know all the tricks of it and everything. I'm like, well, what do I need to buy an app for, you know? And when they added the Command Shift Five, once you got that, like the palette for it, yeah. the built-in tools are outstanding. Yeah, and CleanShot X is still better. Yeah, but it's so good. And like, even just like hiding the stuff on your desktop. As somebody who does a lot of screencasting, that feature alone is great. But it just like does everything well. I agree. I don't know if there's really an automation story for that one, but I guess uh, um, I don't know. I've never felt the need to script it or anything. No, um, but uh things that uh you can script uh like with hazel to do things with the the screenshots you save that's where automation comes in for me yeah uh screenshots is a pretty well although like you can you can repeat screenshots which is kind of automating yeah like you can set an area on your screen and then have an automation like when i do screenshots for my application marked um i basically i have it set uh, a, a screenshot area and then i use mark's url handler to activate different features and then uh, automatically just keep clicking screenshots of them and i can update all the screenshots for the app uh, with one script this episode of the automators is brought to you by text expander go to textexpander.com automators to get 20 percent off your first year when you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conference details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from a company website. These are the kind of things you want to get at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. 
This will make sure that you still keep the personality and the communications that you send. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I use Text Expander for everything. I have thousands of snippets. I look at the statistics that Text Expander gives me, and every year I save days of my life of typing just having Text Expander type for me. It boosts my productivity, and it also gets a more consistent message out from my team because, yes, I do share Text Expander with my team as well. Now, if repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com automators. Text Expander is a great tool to get started automating, and you can get 20% off your first year with that URL. One more time, textexpander.com slash automators to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to Text Expander for their support of the Automators podcast. Now, Brett, you've got another app. I mean, you've always got another app, Brett. <laughs> so many apps. <laughs> but um, you made a system service called Searchlink. Uh, tell me about that one. Yeah, so uh, it, I think it started when I was doing uh, link lists on my blog, and I would like I would have like twenty apps that I needed to link to, like their Mac App Store links, for the purpose of publishing a blog post. Um, so I I wrote an automation that would take you know uh, uh, a search term yeah. and in the background do a Google. And take the first result from that and insert it as a markdown link, and um, and I grew that into something that has its own syntax. It's all markdown based, uh, but so you like create a markdown link and say say your say it says Brett Terpstra, you put it in square brackets and you put parentheses after it like you would for any markdown link. Yeah, and then in the parentheses you type exclamation point G, which is short for Google. Yeah, um, and there's a whole bunch of different bang searches you can use, but that right there, when you run that paragraph now through SearchLink, it's going to find that link syntax. It's going to search for Brett Terpstra, and it's going to find brettterpstra.com, and it's going to replace the search syntax with that Markdown link. Um, it makes creating show notes like I can just write. Well, if someone something comes up in a podcast. I can just write what it is that I know I'm going to search for and I can leave it. And then at the end of the podcast, I can just go through and I can run search link on each line or I can add the syntax and run it in bulk and it will find all of the links and just expand them for me. And it saves me so much time switching between my editor and a browser. I didn't even know you made this and I love it already. Okay, so I'm installing. You got search link workflow, you got search link file and search link error. Yeah. Install all so three. So like of them, right? Yeah. So search link file is the exact same thing as search link but it's designed to run on text files. Okay. Um I don't use that very much. What I use the most is I assign a keyboard shortcut to the search link main service. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's control shift L. If you pass just a single line of text with no line breaks and no search syntax to search link, it will just search for the text you have highlighted. So you don't even have to do like I'm looking at our show notes. If if I typed out Brett Terpstra markdown service tools, highlighted that and hit control shift L, it would link it. 
it it would just it would just put a link um, a markdown format link into into the document. This so you don't crazy. even need special syntax for it. Um, like if I want to link a TV show, I can just write exclamation point IMDb the name of the TV show, highlight just that, run search link on it, and it would replace it with a link to the IMDb page for that show. Yeah, so it just goes into the services menu. I'm going to attach a keyboard shortcut to it. And then, uh, wow, this is really great. Are you in the Google Doc right now? Yeah, I am. All right, so I'm typing Brett Terpstra Markdown Service Tools and highlighting that, hitting my keyboard shortcut. And it should. Oh, maybe it doesn't work in Google Docs. Of course not. <laughs> After we were just talking about it. No. Yeah. It might be a Firefox problem. It sh- yeah, that should have just linked it. And it would in a markdown file. But Here, let me just give it a shot. I'm going to try it too. Isn't this great podcasting? We're experimenting right this, on audio. This is great radio. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't <laughs> work in Google Docs, but I, I will use it later in text outside. But so, yeah. so I can now go and pull links down with a single keyboard shortcut. I, you know, without switching to your browser. I, yeah. I love when Brett Terpstra has a problem in his life because it benefits us all. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is what I built my career on is realizing that. The problems I ran into, there was somebody else out there who would run into that problem. Yeah. Because uh, my first blog was called Circle Six Design Blog. Uh, the Circle Circle Six Blog. Yeah. And it, it was a uh, it was an, an advertising firm that I ran, um, and I just I had just switched to Mac, and I was just starting to like solve problems, and I went ahead and and I documented what I was learning, and at first it was pretty rudimentary stuff with a lot of like a lot of WordPress learning and stuff. Um, But I went from like 20 readers a day to a thousand readers a day uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, When I, when I started just like, Oh, anything I learn, anything, anything I fix, I can just share. And, and there's people out there that need it. So It's great. I mean, because with the Max Sparky Labs, you know, I stopped being a lawyer. I don't, we we haven't caught up in a while, but I'm no longer a lawyer, Brett. And uh, and I started the Max Sparky Labs, and it gave me the t- the time to document all the same thing. You know, it's like, oh, I need to solve this little problem. Well, why don't I sit down and make a video to walk through how I do it? And it gives me the ability to share all that. It's just great. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. What do you think about just as a little aside? Um, uh, window management these days. I know Bunch is not a window manager, but how are you managing windows right now? Uh, you know, is stage manager at all on your radar? And yes, so I've been playing. I've been playing with stage manager. I find it a little bit clunky, but it's better than Spaces. Like I never got into Spaces. Sure. Um, I I just my my brain wants everything more readily accessible without having to worry about which desktop a thing is on. Yeah. Um, so stage manager, once I get little stages set up well, um, it works until I reboot and have to rebuild my stages. But um, Moom, I mean, really is what I use for most window management. And I'm a big fan of, like, if if my bunch isn't focusing an app for my context, just holding down command option and clicking a, an app in the dock. Yeah. 
you know, hides everything except for that app. And a lot of times when I'm switching kind of modes or contacts, I will just command option, click a, an app in my dock and hide everything else. I really feel like Bunch really could make the stage manager experience a lot better in terms of, you know, setting up the various stages, you know, and, and then dropping them down to the sidebar so you can just switch between them. I wonder if there's any interface for that. I have not looked into it yet. There, As far as I can tell, there's none. Like, you can't address it. You can't move it. You can't label it, you know. Yeah. Ventura is already, it's missing a lot of basic uh, automation stuff that previous OSs had. For example, uh, you, you're probably familiar with apps that ask you to open, like, a certain pane in, like, privacy and security yeah. settings. Yeah. Uh, in system preferences. And you used to be able to have a button that would open that pane directly. And then you could use system event scripting to tell when someone had uh, clicked something uh, that that is no longer available. And like, what's it? System settings, it's called now. Yeah. Which is annoying because my, oh, no. my, my launcher, my, my muscle memory is for SP, for system preferences. Yeah. So I had to... I had to manually override that. Uh, but system settings no, has an Apple script dictionary that is completely empty. Yeah. Uh, there's no more, no way to focus a specific pane. And it's little things like that that I, I worry they're not interested in providing that level of automation anymore. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's just something that was a back burner thing. We'll see. I feel like they, um, to answer your question, I feel like they are not interested in that. I feel like they're putting no, well, everything in, into shortcuts at this point. So to to trigger do not disturb mode on previous versions of Mac OS uh, required some very serious hacking. Yeah. Like you had to you had to unfurl nested binary plists, change one bit, and then re refurl them. Yeah. And then and then reset the daemons that that read it. Um, so it was it was a hack. Like it was yeah. really hacky to do that. Now with focus modes, there's just absolutely no no automation possible, yeah. uh, which is silly because it seems like exact. You okay with shortcuts? With a shortcut, you can automate focus modes. Yes. But that's the only way. They offered no other API for that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that's just the way, you know, the way of the future. You know, I mean, you know, they're now interested in, you know, in very Lego style automation, which I think the idea is that we'll bring it out to a lot more people. And yeah, when that's that's fair. Yeah. But there's no back end for it now, you know. The power users have been increasingly neglected over the last you know, five, 10 years, uh, just feels like one, one thing has take, been taken away from us at a time um, for people that really wanted like low level system integration with stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's been replaced with, like you said, kind of Lego style, like shortcuts. Shortcuts is amazingly powerful and it can do a lot of stuff, but some of us would rather write a script or an app. Yeah. To, to do things in a different way and that those choices have been taken away from us. Yeah. 
And I don't think that's going to change. You know, I mean, hopefully shortcuts gets powerful enough to catch up with some of this stuff, but it's never going to get as powerful as those under the hood tools. Well, I think it's very telling that Apple stopped distributing Python, Ruby, Perl, PHP, like all of these processors that used to be built into the operating system. And like you could rely, uh, if I was going to share a Python script, I could rely on any Mac user having Python available to run that script. Yeah. Um, that is not that is no longer the case. Yeah. Now you have to use, you have to install the command line tools just to be able to run Python. So um, the ability to share scripts and automations has been handicapped right there. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Electric. Unbury yourself from IT tasks and get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a qualifying meeting. Turning a small business into an empire takes work, and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level. But this can be hard when your attention is pulled in different directions, because that's the reality of being a boss. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Delegation is so important when you're running a small business, and it is so easy to get into trouble when you're a nerd and you know how to do this IT stuff. You think you can do it, but you can't afford to do it because you need your time focused on making the business a success. And something like Electric is exactly what you need to take that burden off your shoulders. So go check out Electric. For Automator's listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash automators. That's electric.ai slash automators. Once again, go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a qualifying meeting. And finally, our thanks to Electric for their support of the Automators podcast. Brett, we were talking before the break about, um, you know, the kind of evolution of Mac OS and removal of Python. There's another kind of story going on with this. I'd love to hear your take on it with um, programming languages and underlying code. Like now we have a lot of people going to Electron. We've got Swift UI. We've got all these options to make apps on the Mac now. And Apple is, I think, finally really being clear that Swift UI is the future. But kind of where do you see the state of that stuff as someone who is developing apps? I I feel like I am way behind the ball on modern technologies. Like I haven't, like I've I've played with Swift UI. I have not developed anything uh, like cr- using cross platform technologies. Um, I, I've only ever in my life developed one iOS app and it was well before what's the, what's the tech called that lets you run, uh, iOS apps on a Mac. It's catalyst yes. catalyst. Yeah. Um, like I haven't gotten into any of that. I despise electron because like, okay. So one password. Yeah. More their most recent version is electron based, yeah. and they did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, 
Uh, it doesn't suffer from most of what I hate about Electron apps. Um, but like a, an Electron text editor will never satisfy me because I make extensive use of the Mac OS system uh, text utilities. Yeah, there's so many of them, right? You want you want like those. Ju- serv- like search link alone. Yeah, like you can't run search link in most Electron editors. Yeah, uh, which handicaps my workflow tremendously. Um, so I feel like a lot of these new technologies uh, are have a negative impact on what I would consider a uh, a native Mac application. Um. And and no no none of the new tech really fully covers everything that a native Mac app should be able to do. Uh, you're always there are always concessions when you use the newer technologies, and until they hit parity with like I'm Control A and Control E. Uh, are you familiar with the text editing shortcuts Control A and Control E? No, what do they do? They come from Emacs. In any text field on Mac OS, you can hit Control A to go to beginning of line, Control E to go to end of paragraph. Uh, like Command right arrow will go to end of current line, but Control E will go to the end of the paragraph. Um, and there, once you once you know them, once you've played with them, uh, Control A and Control E are indispensable, but they don't work in like a catalyst application. Yeah. Which is weird because they do work on most apps on iOS. If you have a keyboard attached and you can hit control A and control E, those shortcuts still work. And and they work universally on Mac except in like Electron and Catalyst apps. And little things like that, uh to me, I I can't I can't embrace. Sure a new a new framework until the stuff that i do every day actually works on it and then i think there are like exceptions like i just opened up craft which i believe is a catalyst app on the mac yeah. and control a and control e work in that app but they probably oh, they probably maybe things maybe things have gotten better i panned it like at that was like the first thing i tried yeah. when i ran my first catalyst app yeah. and it didn't work so maybe 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 they have come around maybe i really need to look at this again or the people at craft are so conscientious they coded it in you know i mean they built it themselves i mean that's also yeah are awesome. you a fan of craft yeah i like it i think it's a good app have you used obsidian Oh yeah, I am, I am, I am way in. I'm using them both. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those weirdos. Yeah. But the um, I find I went to Obsidian first, frankly, because I really like the the linking, the hypertext nature of the app, and I do a lot of uh, thinking. You know, I'm holding up air quotes mm-hmm. right now. But the uh, <laughs> but all that stuff goes into Obsidian because it's so good at that kind of problem. But I was also yeah. using it to manage a lot of the Max Sparky planning stuff. But I've got a couple people helping me. And that mm-hmm. data in Obsidian, it's not, Obsidian is not sharing friendly. So, um, and everybody was talking about craft. So I downloaded it and got it on my team. And we put all of the playing, like every blog post, every newsletter, everything gets done in craft. And then everybody on the team can see it. And uh, yeah, I've really come to like craft. I mean, but I mean, I kind of use them in different ways, but um, sure, it's, it's a good idea. Yeah. I, I I thought craft was amazing, but it, I felt like 
between craft and obsidian obsidian works with a, a pile of markdown files sure I mean, and yeah. a pile of markdown files you can automate in all kinds of ways yeah. and you can you can run external automations as you please and um and i can use it because i i'm working on an app called nb ultra which is the sequel to nb Alt, yeah. more or less um and i can use that with obsidian yes uh, and my NB Ultra notes can go into like an Obsidian notebook, and I can use NB Ultra for fast markdown editing and and like modal note taking. And then Obsidian blows me away. Like I haven't dug super deep into it, but every time I use it, I'm like, this is <laughs> this is the app I would build if I if I had the time focus and, and capability, it's, it's a great, app. I'm, I'm right now in the middle of making an obsidian field guide because it's just, like you said, it's a folder full of markdown files. So it's so portable with your data. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong. You exactly. are adding some obsidian syntax that you're not going to normally sure. have in markdown, but otherwise you are super clean. And the third party development of the, you know, they have that API and people are just making mm -hmm. every day, whatever thing it is you want Obsidian to do, somebody yeah. has written it already. And yep, it is uh, so that there's a nerd element of it for me that I just love tweaking it to my, 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 uh, my choice. Like if you, if you're using Obsidian, download the data view plugin and just figure that out. I mean, I'd love to hear <laughs> what happens if Brett Terpstra spent a day looking at data view because <laughs> it is crazy what you can do with a folder full of markdown folder uh, files and that data view plugin. It's just completely insane. I will have to check that out. Yeah. But it's Electron. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where like I like using NB Ultra for most of my uh note-taking note-taking and editing because it does use native mac os text areas and text fields and and i have all of my services and all of my uh shortcuts and all my key bindings uh, i use a ton of custom key bindings like all of that is available in nb ultra but not in obsidian for actually working with the text files obsidian's tools are outstanding for actual for me for actual note taking yeah i will take a native text a cocoa text field any day. Now, every time in any of my platforms, I the word comes up that I'm going to be talking to you. At least one listener asks, "Get the status of NV Ultra." <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, NV Ultra, like you said, it's the successor of NV Alt, and um, you know, yeah. What, so, where is so, it these days? So he, here's the status. I just had a meeting with Fletcher last week. Yeah. Um. Uh. Fletcher. Fletcher owns the majority of the code and and like has maintained control of that code and i can't uh i can't develop with the internal libraries of nb ultra um so it is entirely i'm reliant on him to to move the project forward uh in most cases and he he's an er doctor who has a lot of like stuff going on in his personal life that is made this drag out for years now but we had a meeting last week and we narrowed it down to three basically three issues that need to be solved before a 1.0 launch All right. and he has he has since then already solved two of them 
Uh, we have one issue left to solve, and then we need to do some testing on uh, StoreKit uh, because we're going to sell uh, with subscription-based IAPs through the Mac App Store, and we just need to iron out the details of that. that. Yeah. And and we're good to launch. We we're gonna we we did a whole icon redesign thing, and I may. I may update the icon after launch. I, I designed the current icon. It's just like pen nib coming out of a mountain range. Yeah. Um, I, I don't love it. I've come to kind of hate it, but it doesn't get a lot of complaints. And every time we talk about changing it, we get more negative uh, feedback than good. So that's the kind of thing where like we can launch a 1.0 with an icon we don't love. Like that's rebrandable in the future. Yeah. Let's just get 1.0 out. Yeah, at this point, don't let the icon hold you up, man. The, the whole, yeah, the whole exactly. nerd internet is waiting for this launch. So you gotta, you gotta like get we, there. We, st- we started developing this before obsidian was even on the map yeah. and like it could have, it could have had a heyday. Yeah. If we had, if we had beat all of these other note taking apps to market, but we did not, we dragged it out so long it became so many people have given up on us at this point, but we have we have a couple thousand beta testers that have been happily using it. People that use it as a daily driver. Um, I believe there's a, a solid place for it in the pantheon of Mac OS note taking apps. But we just got to got to get that 1.0 out. Yeah, I totally agree with your use case that, you know, we've got. Uh, apps like Obsidian, but people may want to actually edit the markdown files somewhere else. I mean, that is. Yeah, there's a lot of people looking for that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, and then like you could probably you should spend a little time. You could probably write a plugin for Obsidian that even further simplifies the process, so you can like go back and forth from Obsidian. Let me give the pitch for anyone who is listening and has used NVAlt. We made NVAlt so that it can work with nested folders, multiple folders. You can have each folder can become a notebook. Uh, same super fast search, same full text search, um, but with all of the uh, markdown editing capabilities that come in multi-markdown composer. Uh, so it's an advanced markdown editing engine with built-in preview, uh, markdown preview and everything. Um, there are some things that NBL did that that we left out of NB Ultra uh, intentionally, but... For the most part, it is it is a, an upgrade. And uh, if you're an NBL user, if you want to test the beta before we actually get 1.0 out, just contact me through the nvultra.com uh, contact uh, link and just let me know you want on the beta. And any listeners of automators that want on, I, I will put you on. Uh, can I be on it? <laughs> oh yeah for sure all right just send me an email i want to try it now you got me curious but i i really fletcher penny um who was uh was that multi-markdown was his uh, baby yeah and so he's been in this for a long time and the two of you together i i can't imagine it's not going to be a winner i mean but the uh but i can't wait to see how this comes out and uh, i'm really happy to hear that you're that close to release now i just text expanded you an invite oh there you go you're still using Text Expander? Oh, so all the time. What's this? What's the what's the weirdest thing you do with Text Expander? My my favorite thing I do is um I so 
when when people use Marked and they have the Mac App Store version, uh, but it runs into sandboxing issues yeah. and they want to switch to the direct version, I make that a free cross grade. But in order to do it, I have to generate them a license key. Yeah. But Paddle offers me an API to do that. So I have a text expander snippet in an email. I can just type comma, comma, M-L-I-C space, and it will go get a, a new license code, uh, format an email, and tell them how to use it, where to download it. And then I just hit Command-Shift-D to send the email. Yeah. And it's, it's, ten, it's six keystrokes. And I have I have cross graded somebody like that kind of stuff makes life super easy. I I always struggle with email, and um, I have a lot of customer support stuff, and I do have some people to help. But often, I still can beat hiring a human to do some of this stuff with just smart use of text expander. Right? It just well, yeah, and with like they've really focused on team usage lately. Yeah. And and the like with shared snippet groups, like you can change what the people who work for you, you can change their messaging just by editing their text expander yeah, snippets. Exactly. Like the group, the text expander group. And and then everyone who is is emailing on your behalf has your new language automatically. And and that kind of stuff makes like text expander for an individual is is amazing and awesome. But uh, but its applications for like a, a work environment are pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I do a thing in the labs where if you're a labs member, you get a discount on field guides, and that code changes monthly. And yeah. sometimes people write in. We have it on the web, but sometimes they don't find it and they write in. And I have a shared snippet with my 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 helper where I update the code every month. So when she triggers the snippet to send the code. She doesn't know that it's, well, she knows that it's changed, but I mean, she doesn't have to know that it's changed. It just changes. And then when she sends it, it's always the updated one. And that that's really cool. But uh, my yeah. favorite use of Texas Matter, I know the team stuff is cool, but I really just love what I can do with it, the tricks I can make it do for me. And uh, even after all these years, I still find myself making new ones. It's like, there's never an end to this. Well, and then they added that like suggestions. Yeah. Uh, if you type the same thing a few times, it'll say, hey, do you want to make a text expander snippet for this? Yeah. Um, I love that. Like that, that and the and the search uh, and the little thing that comes up when, when you type that thing again, it's like, hey, don't forget you made a you made a snippet yeah. for this. Yeah. Next time, just type this like that kind of that stuff has been just an outstanding step forward for text expander yeah like you and me i'm sure i know i have at least over a thousand snippets and so oh yeah i can't even count yeah me too <laughs> but i uh i mapped uh control option command i to search text expander because they have a search function and that i use yeah. that all the time because i don't remember all the yeah my, all the mine is literally just control forward slash because yeah. i use it yeah. all the time yeah that's actually a better shortcut this episode of the automators is brought to you by hover make a name for yourself and get 10 percent off any domain name just go to hover.com slash automators it is so easy for me to do an ad read about hover because i am a loyal customer and have been for years have you ever thought about starting your own business or creating a brand or sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world and your years of experience to create something for yourself. 
Hover wants to take you to that next first step in getting your ideas off the ground. And if you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business you want to take care of online, the first step is finding your domain name. And Hover makes this super simple. With a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer, and getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. I'm one of them. MaxSparky.com is run through Hover, along with all of the other domains I own. I'll never forget the day I signed up for MaxSparky.com. It was in 2006, and ever since then, I've been on a rocket ship and enjoying every minute, and all this started with me buying that domain. In addition to the classics like .com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, and .art. With over 400 more to choose from, you'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. Secure, simple, and reliable without any tricks, Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business, including myself. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, head over to hover.com slash automators to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. That's hover, H-O-V-E-R dot com slash automators to get that 10% off. And our thanks to Hover for their support of the automators and RelayFM. Brett, one of the things that I credit you with, and I'm not even sure if you're the one that came up with the idea, but you're the one who brought the idea to my attention, is the hyper key. Uh, that's mm-hmm. re- remapping uh, the control option command I, shift. I, di- I did not come up with that idea, but I have been vocal enough about it that if you search for hyper key, you're going to find my name instead of the original creator. <laughs> yeah, but you take those four, shift, control, option, command, and you map them to the caps lock key, you know? and yep. um you know, there's been a lot of ways to do this. It's not necessarily simple historically. And, um, but in the last year, um, the guy over better touch tool has mapped mm-hmm. the hyper key into better touch tool. And I've actually switched over to using his app because I feel like it's just more stable for it. Um, but how are you mapping your hyper key these days? I am still using the app that used to be known as uh, keyboard for I don't even remember what it used to be called. Now it's called Carabiner. Yeah. Um, and Carabiner Elements. And I still map using that. I use Better Touch Tool like constantly, but um, I like the Carabiner method because it it maps it more at a system level. Yeah. Uh, so even like from my Mac OS login screen, I have my my hyper key available. Gotcha. Um, so I'm still mapping it that way. And that like you install carabiner elements and there is a built-in uh hyper key yeah preset yeah it's a dummy button you just press one button and you're in the thing that i modify is i like it so that if i hold down my caps lock key and hit another key then it's command shift option control but if i just tap the caps lock key then it's escape um and <laughs> That is like that is vital for me because like when I use Vim and things that use the escape key frequently, um, my my muscle memory is to just reach over with my pinky and hit that instead of moving up to the upper left of the keyboard. Yeah. Um, so like I need that uh I need that single tap option. And I think better touch tool can do that. 
Um, but but that's the mapping I use in Carabiner. Well, while we're on the topic of Better Touch Tool, if you ever want to make shortcuts better, just install Better Touch Tool and go and look at the available actions that Better Touch yeah. Tool has contributed. It is nuts. And Andreas is a mad scientist, man. Yeah. That guy, insane. Yeah. So what do you think about home automation these days, Brett? I, I know that like you've always been somebody kind of ahead of the curve on this stuff. <laughs> except except I feel like I it, it, since HomeKit, I have fallen behind the curve. Like I used to be back in the days when you had like Insteon and Zigbee and yeah. uh it, like I I had systems that allowed me to integrate all kinds of stuff. I programmed them through uh Indigo on like a Mac mini in my basement that ran my whole house. But Indigo doesn't work with HomeKit or Alexa devices. And so then I have to run HomeBridge to try to bring everything together and things get messy. And like buying HomeKit devices means that it won't work with the rest of my automation setup. And I've just, I've hit a point of frustration where all of the good home automation stuff that's coming out these days is really, it's HomeKit or it's it's Google or it's Alexa and none of it works with kind of my uh my legacy equipment and I need to I need to like consolidate on one protocol or another I I think this is hilarious when it was really hard you were good at it and as it got simpler <laughs> it got harder for you <laughs> Yeah yeah that's about right that's about right but um, I got your most recent newsletter this morning yeah. and you talked about a protocol called matter, yeah. which it could be, could be the future. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by this. Well, I mean, what happened was when Apple, Google and Amazon first started this, you know, 10 years ago or so, they all wanted to become the platform. Right. Right. You know, everybody wanted it like, oh, you have to get a Google thing because everything yeah. works with Google or you know, Apple wanted the same thing. Apple had more of a security focus. They wanted hardware encryption on their stuff. So Apple wanted it. So somebody on the other side of the world couldn't turn on your air conditioner. Um, right. And and, you know, over the years, they've those positions have evolved, but they've also realized that there's no clear winner. You know, yeah. Um, it is like what was that TV show again? Uh, Highlander, or remember that Highlander, where there can only be yeah, one. There can only there can be only one. Yeah. Well, now they they realize that there's three, and there'll never only be one. So, at some point, they got together and started to come up with a common protocol for um, the platforms and the devices where they all spoke the same language, and it's called Matter. And it took them years. They just released it publicly, I think, earlier this month. So now we're going to start seeing the devices come out and a lot of the the big peripheral, you know, kind of sensor light switch, you know, all those people are, are signing on because Apple, Google and Amazon are on it. It's, you know, it's, it's going to become the only thing. So when you go to buy something, you don't have to like look at the box with a microscope to figure out if it's, it's going to work or not. Yeah. I just had that happen. I, I added a room onto my house cause I, you know, trying to do a better job with the max parky stuff i needed a space and i went to home depot and i bought a quick set automation lock because i've already got one on my front door i thought well i'll put one there and it looked like the one on my front door and i just picked it up and 
drove home and I got home and I looked at it and it had Amazon and Google, but no home kit. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so I took it back and they didn't have the home kit when they were out of stock. So I had to order it. But I mean, it's just like that stuff is going to go away and we're going to get yeah. a common platform. Um, but that doesn't change the underlying technology. There's still a bunch of these that run on Wi-Fi and some that run on Zigbee and you've got all these different ways for them to communicate. And um, I think that's probably the bigger problem that you're, you're, you're up against, uh, you know, just determining the technology stack for it. Right. My Mac mini in my basement has a Zigbee and an Insteon, um, like external controllers attached to it. And between the two of those using Indigo, I can automate anything in my house. Yeah. Except for Hue light bulbs and HomeKit devices. And what I would love is to have, like, with a minimal amount of hardware to be able... Have you ever used Indigo? No. Uh, it's it's old software, but it does home automation really well. Um in a, in a very old school kind of way, not, not the way you would use like home app to do it. Um, very kind of like piece together yeah. things, uh, uh, from disparate sources and make them do something based on a criteria. Um, and you can kind of do it in home, but not as, uh, powerfully. And I want, I want there to be, I want everyone to come up with one protocol so I can have one interface connected to a Mac mini where I can do like real automation and, and not, not just shortcuts automation. Yeah. Have you looked at home assistant? Yeah. I feel like that might be Uh, what you're looking for. Indigo is basically home assistant on, on steroids. Okay. Um, I, I, I home assistant had a couple of failings that made me not dig too deep into it um but yeah i mean yeah same kind of thing why does home assistant work with HomeKit? yeah well sort of i mean you connect your your devices even the HomeKit devices can be connected to home assistant and then that just gives you a lot more options you know in terms of multiple I conditions will check it out again yeah i i just I take bought, another look i just bought hardware you know i mean someone like you is probably just going to program it on something you've got in your house but i actually bought the home assistant yellow device you know which is like a little mini pc that's a home assistant server and i'm just getting into it this is one part where i wish rose was here because she is a pro at home assistant um but i'm starting to get things hooked up and like for instance i had a um an automation in home kit that said if i walk into my little studio room and it's dark out and then since it's motion turn the lights on at this level right yeah, but then the problem is if I change the light level, and the light's already on, it doesn't. It it switches them back to the the automation. Level, you know. Yeah. And uh, like with Home Assistant, I can totally fix that. You know, I can say if the light's already on, then don't run. And there's just like a lot stuff of more stuff I can do with Home yeah. Assistant. And I'm just kind of on the beginning of the learning curve for it but it is way more powerful than all right i I will check that out because what you just described i have that exact same automation set up in indigo where i have a motion detector on my office if i walk in and it's between certain hours it will turn on the lights to 20 percent yeah um and then if 
I, after sitting in, you know, semi-darkness for a while, decide, okay, my, my eyes have adjusted. If I hit a button on my stream deck that raises the lights to 100%, it registers that I have manually overridden. And next time that motion detector goes off, it will just give me back to 100% uh, until the next, uh, that night cycle happens again. I think that's totally possible with Home Assistant, yeah. Okay, good to know. And Home Assistant does have a lot of wood behind the arrow right now, you know. Um, there, yeah. There's just a lot going on with it. They've got, they're selling hardware for people who just want to buy a plug-in box. That's what I did. But you can also install it yourself and do things with it. But um, cool. it is, uh, it's pretty cool. But uh, I really like the idea of these controllers on their own network and um, the stuff that's coming out of that. I feel like we're getting a lot more of it and it's getting cheaper. And all that stuff can be hooked into Home Assistant. But, I mean, that stuff can also be hooked into HomeKit, but it's just not as powerful. Um, yeah. Like, I have, I don't know if you're familiar with this company, Acara, A-Q-A-R-A. I, I followed a link in your newsletter, and I checked out their hardware. That yeah. looked intriguing. I, I Rose turned me on to that, too, but I am, like, all in. Because they're, uh, they've got their own base unit, you know, so they're on their own, you know, they're on their own uh, frequency. But... You can put like 150 items on it or something, and the the um, the peripherals are relatively cheap, like you know, fifteen dollar yeah. water sensor or something. So like, I've got the sensors under all the sinks and the toilets and the water heater. So if things leak, I find out about it. And I'm putting vibration sensors and you know, kind of building my own home yeah. automation. And, and the hub, the hub has 360 degree IR blasting. Yeah, yeah. So you can, uh, so you can automate to, anything with an infrared remote. Yeah. 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 And it's that, got an alarm in it too, if you want to use it as an alarm system. Yeah. They've just got a lot of good stuff. And they just released, it's only available at this point in Asia. I ordered one off of AliExpress, but I haven't received it yet. But they have <laughs> they have what they call I've ordered I've ordered from Ali and it can take a while. Yeah, I know. It's just gonna I feel like it's like one of those things where one day it shows up and you're like, oh, yep. there you go. <laughs> After you've forgotten you ordered. But they have this thing called a human presence sensor. And um, Rose got one. She likes it. One of the members of my labs got one and he likes it. But apparently it's like a rock solid, um, you know, sensor that can tell if a human is in the room. So it's not just IR. It's not just motion. I'm not sure what it is, but Interesting. It apparently it works really well. And if I could reliably tell when I have someone in the room or not, yeah, uh, that gives me a lot more power. So I can't. Yeah, that would that. be that would be superior to. Um, a motion detector that you have to place at exactly the right angle in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. Or that'd be cool. Especially when you like have a motion sensor in a room where you're sitting in front of a computer and you don't move Mm -hmm. much and then it thinks that you're not there anymore. Um, But uh, yeah, so there's some really interesting stuff out there right now. And I feel like matter is going to be a success. I don't see how it can't because there's no competition to it. All the big players are in on it. Yeah. As long as you have the buy-in from the big three, you're you're good. Yeah, and I think they've already, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they've already even announced with the latest Mac uh, Ventura update that, that it has Matter support now. It's like they're, they're putting it oh, wow. in stuff, and products are starting to ship now with Matter in it. And uh, I, I don't think that means your existing HomeKit stuff is going to stop working. I don't think Apple's ever going to not support HomeKit. Um, but going forward, you don't have to, that's no longer the gating issue for you. Yeah. Anything that's matter will work. 
Well, that'll make it way easier for third-party developers. Like when I see when I see an automation hardware item like on Amazon or whatever, um, they always have to list works with, yeah. works with, works with. Exactly. And if there was one protocol that they could just say matter supported, and I think it would ease their development time and and make devices even cheaper. Yeah, agreed. I totally agree. And like some of the stuff with HomeKit just stops working after a while. I, I uh, just were yeah. setting up. Oh, totally. We're setting up the Christmas tree uh, this weekend. And I got out my, you know, my Christmas tree uh, switch. You know, you just you plug it in the wall. And it's a way to turn the lights on. And the uh, the manufacturer stopped, just stopped updating that piece of hardware yep. that I bought like four years ago. And just like, yep. it's just like, it took me like 20 minutes to realize, oh, no there's nothing wrong with this except it just no longer works and it's trash, you know? Yeah. But the, uh, so it's, it's coming along and I think it's going to get a lot easier for people who don't want to go like the home assistant super route, but I think it's going to get easier for people who want to do that too, because if we have one protocol, you know, then there, there's only one la- It's like the United nations of home automation, right? Every only one language is being spoken. And then all of a sudden we get, you know, anything can possibly work. Yeah. But when I talked to you, it was like you had this Rube Goldberg thing going on, you know, where like it was buttering your toast or something. I forget you were doing so much <laughs> with it. I'm surprised that uh, you're uh, you're a little behind on it now. Yeah. I uh I I keep exploring different like avenues for the future because I don't see a future for like my legacy setup. Yeah. So I'm constantly trying out like I need to I need it to work with, you know, Alexa or I need it to work with Siri or I need it to work with Indigo. And I've just been trying to figure out what the best path forward before I invest any more money in hardware. I get it. I I, I need to I need to know like what my my brain behind the whole thing is going to be. Yeah. Well, look at home assistant. Let me know what you think, because I I feel like that might be kind of the middle path right now and it's it's definitely pretty powerful i i haven't gone as deep down it as rose has i'm kind of at the beginning but i have not run into any situation i i couldn't figure out yet and one of the things i really like about it is the history like it shows you the history of the data collected by the sensor which gives you a lot of insight when you're building your automations as to what's working what's not yeah cool i'll check it out all right. Uh, so, Brett, where can people find you these days? I am, as always, at brettterpstra.com. That's three T's in the middle. Um, you can find all of my projects there, links to all of my social media. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter or Mastodon or uh, whatever, I'm, I'm everywhere. I am T-T-S-C-O-F-F, T-T-S-C-O-F. Um, and that will that will generally find me. You can even go to ttscoff.me on the web and it will take you to brettarpshire.com. So ttscoff. Um and in like I don't have any links for Oracle or anything, but yeah. you can find my podcast at uh overtiredpod.com. That's the podcast I do with Christina Warren from GitHub and Jeff Severns Gunsel. Um, it has been a blast. We have become very much a mental health podcasts i recommend anyone who uh has especially neurodiverse if you have adhd autism bipolar disorder any of that 
or someone in your in your life does, I definitely recommend tuning in. You get three people talking very openly and honestly about mental health and Taylor Swift. I don't think you could have Christina Warren on a podcast without Taylor Swift coming up. Right? Yeah. You know, we didn't even mention all of Brett's projects. I'm going to put a specific link in the notes to Brett's project page. Like, um, yeah. uh, how's it? That's a new one. Give us just a brief description of how's it. So how's it lets you in. So it's a command line tool. So when you're working on a project that, that has like, you know, a, a, you're in the command line. Yeah. Uh, it lets you take notes in Markdown as to how to do each thing that the project needs to do, whether it's build or deploy or edit. And you can include runnable tasks in the Markdown notes. So then you can type, how's it, as in how does it, how's it, and then how's it deploy? And it will tell you how it de- deploys. Or you can type how's it minus R deploy and it will run all of the tasks in the deploy section of the notes. So you can automate and like basically for every project that I build, I have a deploy section of the notes. So in anything I'm working on, I don't have to remember specifically what the steps are to deploy that project. Um, I can just write how's it minus R deploy. And no matter what project I'm in, the correct steps will be taken. So it gives me a kind of a universal make file, if you will. Uh, but it allows me to keep notes on everything in Markdown and always be able to build and deploy and whatever else I need to do with the project. Once again, proving you literally are the mad scientist of Mac automation. <laughs> I had a problem. I solved it. Yeah, you did. And you shared it, which is which is awesome. Uh, there's so much more we could have talked about today, Brett. I, like we, we touched on Better Touch Tool. But at some point, I need to like get you on a microphone and hear your better touch tool story. <laughs> uh, but uh, today on Automators Max, we're going to talk about Brett's ultimate hacker's keyboard and what he's doing with it. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. We are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. Thank you to our sponsors today, Text Expander, Electric, and Hover. And we'll see you next time.